Curiosity. What are you so curious about? Everything. Mr. Curiosity. All righty, folks. Mr. Curiosity has arrived. And uh, of course, that's just my uh, cheesy podcast name. It's really just Joe Snedeker, right? Just another guy on a podcast, right? From WNEP. Now, I got to tell you the story of the person we have today. First, I'm just going to go uh, and say something that she hates because she told me that in the in the five minute pre-interview I did. Are you ready? Adrian! <laughs> She's heard it her whole life. Who are you? Yes, uh, Adrian Fours. Yeah, so you have to go your whole life, Adrian, with this whole, what is it? The I don't even know if I've seen that. What is the whole Rambo thing or whatever that is? It's from is the Rocky it? movies. Okay. Um, and uh, ironically, I was born at the at the height of all of them. And uh, and somehow it has carried along, uh, along these 30 some years with me and everyone thinks it's hilarious. So when someone says your name, Adrian Fors, that they, uh-huh. they do the whole Rocky Adrian, they do all that for you. Oh, all, every time, almost every time. No and now I'm just I... another cheesy guy who did it. I apologize, but it has. Okay. <laughs> here's, here's what I want to know though. Um, were you named in part because of, of that? Did your parents say something to do with that movie? No, actually, uh, my uh, dad's uh, grandfather had a brother named Adrian, and so they wanted to name me after him. And he's from Lake Ariel, actually. All right. So where so where were you born and raised? I was born in Allentown, but I was raised in Effort. So she's kind of here. She is, folks. Oh, look at this. Just you're like just. All right. Off. Get out of here. So you're like just out of the viewing area of WNEP. But yet, how do you know us? Well, uh, growing up, WNEP was where um, we lived. Effort PA has WNEP. So <clears throat> we, oh, were, we were always watching you. We were always watching uh, Tom Clark and, ha- you know, always trying to guess what the weather was going to be. So yeah. I, I grew up right at the base of the Poconos. So. Okay. So, so yeah, there you were at the southern tier of WNEP land, right, folks? Mm-hmm. And if you're saying, well, who is this girl? And what does she have to do with my life? And why is she on this podcast? Mm-hmm. I'm going to get to that. <laughs> but you have to hear the story. So I go to see one of my favorite bands, Collective Soul, and they're at Bethlehem at the uh, Steel Stacks outdoor venue. This is just a month or so ago. So my wife was busy. She couldn't go. My buddies and I went two weeks before that to see them in New York, and there was audio problems, and it rained, and then Collective Soul canceled. So they're like, no, I'm not going again. My wife didn't want to go. My buddies didn't want to go. I'm like, screw it. I'm driving by myself on a Thursday night to the Lehigh Valley, to Bethlehem, to the Steel Stacks, and I'm going to enjoy a Collective Soul concert by myself. So I show up, and I'm strutting around, getting into uh, you know a good position for the concert, and there I see these two guys, and they're like, Joe, come on over, party with us. And, and these were your colleagues, right? Well, one is a colleague, the other two are, are good friends of mine, yeah. And are they big Collective Soul fans or what's the deal? Uh, they're 90s rock and alternative fans. There and, you go. So that's and, me. Yeah. All right. So, so then, so, yeah. so you're with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you just said, what, I want to go to this show too? You seem a little young for the, for the 90s alternative rock scene. Listen, I am, I'm younger uh, than I, I should say I'm, I, I look younger than I am, but um, I grew up listening to 90s music and my colleague and I always rock out at work to it. And um, and then his friends always join us. So we just we all go. We're just music groupies and oh, I love it wherever we can. So, um, so I'm, but, hanging out, yeah. I'm hanging out with these two guys and you and I don't know. You're just two people. We're all moving and grooving to the music. We're fist pumping, all that stuff. Then the break comes in and they start telling me who they are and who you are. And you guys all work for waste management. Yeah. Well, (laughs) two of us work for waste management. The other two don't, but yeah. I'm thinking, I'm I'm thinking, I'm hoping this isn't a big letdown for everyone because waste management has an effect in every single person's life listening right now. And we're going to find out because Adrian is the senior community relations specialist, whatever that means for waste management. She knows all of her stuff and she has a shirt on right now that says, let's talk trash. Yep. And this girl at the concert, I'm telling you folks, <laughs> I could tell I immediately connected. She was full of life. She was vibrant. She was happy. She was progressive. 
she was like all the things that I appreciate in other human beings. So I'm like, I start talking to her. Next thing you know, we arrange a podcast and here we are. So I can just tell you're full of life, energy, and positive vibes. I know it, Adrian. I know it. Yep. That's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's me. I just love life and I really love my trash and talking recycling and and I think I even, um, you know, bent your ear that night even about about landfills and trash. <laughs> yeah, she started talking about trash and landfills. And I'm like, oh, I got to get you on a podcast because I don't know how many people know this, but waste management, I think, from the brief research I did, is it the first or second largest waste-related company in the United States? We are the nation's leading waste provider and the nation's um, leading recycling uh, solutions provider as well. That's excellent. And everyone has seen those big green dumpsters or the truck yeah. with the Packers colors on it, the green and the yes. yellow, the big W and the yeah. big M. Everyone has seen them. So this applies yeah. to every single person listening right now. And that's why I think this is of interest. But I got to get to, we, before we get to the waste stuff. So when you're when you're growing up and you're watching WNEP and you're in the Lehigh Valley, um, you, you, you had a fixation on weather? <laughs> I did. I did. Um, <clears throat> growing up, um, I wanted to be the weather girl and mostly because I watched you and Tom Clark and yeah. I said, I'm going to work for WNP one day. Um, I ended up at Blue Ridge Cable right when I was my senior in high school. And uh, Ooh, right after how did that school, happened, how do you go from being a senior in high school to working at Blue Ridge Cable? That doesn't make sense. So at, I went to Pleasant Valley School District and we had a close uh, circuit TV station uh, okay. that we, we did every morning. And I, I was the producer and uh, loved it. And our teacher at the time was freelancing for Blue Ridge. And so he got me basically in an interview and a job. And, and so I started doing video work um, with Blue Ridge. And then I went to college at Penn State, Hazleton, and was in the communications department and was working with a couple other folks up in Hazleton. So if you were, uh, let me understand this, this, this bifurcation that happened. If you were interested in meteorology and you want to be a weather girl, didn't you think maybe I better start majoring towards the sciences or meteorology? What made you go communications? So originally I wanted to be the weather girl, meaning I wanted to be on TV, not necessarily always doing the, the science part. Oh, um, wait a minute. So you, <laughs> we call, we call you guys phonies. We so you want, all but, the, um, you want all the glory of the presentation without the hard work. So the plan was I was <laughs> going to go to Penn state. I went in as communications and I was going to transfer um, my second semester to main campus and then start the meteorological, you know, program. Oh. But I, uh, decided to stay and do public relations instead and, um, ended up doing public relations and Admitted you know, the here physics, I am. The physics and chemistry all scared you away. That's what it was. It right? definitely did. Um, <laughs> and you know, it's crazy. It's like, I was really good at math. I just, I was like, eh, I don't know if I want to do the math. Yeah. <laughs> like, I like talking to people better. So Yeah, and you do a good job at that. Yeah, everyone thinks it's funny. Like, they, they just think meteorology is, oh, yeah, a little storm and a high-pressure system, and this is so cute. And yeah, no, no, come on, it's, it's a gutsy, it's a gutsy detailed science, but we won't get into that. So you do, we, do you want to say, I don't know, am I poking too much into your private life? Do you want to say what year you graduated from Penn State? So I ended up transferring out of Penn State to East Stroudsburg University. Oh! Um, so, yeah. So I actually have a degree in business management from ESU. And uh, 2008, <laughs> I went an extra year. <laughs> so you were there like when? Six? 2006 2008. to 2008, I was at ESU. The reason I ask is I just missed you because I was finishing my master's degree at ESU in environmental science ah, in the see? early mid 2000s. I mean, we could have crossed paths there. Totally. I could have been like, yo, Joe, across campus instead of you yelling, yo, Adrian. But, uh, so, yeah. And then I, I ended up, I was waitressing at that time, working full time and going to school full time. And I just ended up meeting some of our individuals that work with me now. And just like I met with you at, at a concert, some random time and said, Hey, I'm looking to do an internship. And 
they had a position. You seem, over. To, you seem to win people over with your bubbly personality. <laughs> that's what it is. So Maybe that's why that? I stayed in PR. <laughs> yeah, you're a perfect PR person. But what does that mean? You just you just ran into some people. Come on, you got to tell me more. Some guy was hitting on you, maybe, or something. No, 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 no. They came. The guys uh, and gals they come in for lunch. Uh, I used to work at DT's Tavern when I was in college, and I waited on them for lunch. And and they were like, "Hey, we got a position open. If you want to um, work with oh, our person." So. So were you still in college at the time, or no? You had finished. No, I was still in college at the time. So I took a full-time position with waste management doing uh, community relations. Um, the assistant essentially is what my position was. And um, and then he ended up retiring a few years after and I was promoted to that position and really have been in public relations since since then. And, and a lot of my role has been environmental education around the landfills, around recycling um, and just trying to promote recycling right essentially because there's a lot of that that doesn't get done the correct way out there regardless if it's with waste management or any other waste company us humans we want a single stream recycle but we we don't do a very good job at it so we have to do a better job yeah i love it and we're going to get into that because we all need some advice from you but um i'm a little curious about so before i guess i get into and i'm not doing a commercial here i'm really not for waste management but I'm curious about them. So when you say you got a PR job, is that what it was while you're, where, where are they? This is, I think they're based in Texas, right? We're, uh, yeah, our, um, our corporate office is based in Texas, but we have facilities all across the country. So, like, so do you know how many, like little, little, little offices everywhere? I don't know exactly how many offices per se, but I can tell you we have about 250-ish landfills that we own. And oh my goodness, now stop right there. <laughs> 250 landfills across the United States. Yes, but keep in mind, own, keep in mind in the 80s, there was like 3,000. So there's not many, not many landfills as there used to be. So. Well, yeah, because back in the 60s, 70s and into the 80s, landfills were like in every town. It was a hole in the ground. That's right. That's right. So throw, yeah, your, we, throw your toxic chemicals here, throw your paint. There was no mitigation. There was no liner. There was no proper disposal of the leachate. It was just a hole in the ground. I mean, this is how folks, this is how we managed waste up until like the 70s. We would just literally dig a hole in the ground and throw waste in there or shove it out to the ocean, which is equally sad. We still do that in some parts. So waste management um, is about as old as me. I think they were started in the 60s, and so was I. So if you look at me, here I am. I'm as old as managed waste is in this country, which is pretty sad. So you think about all the abuses that the earth has suffered because of humans just throwing everything in a hole in the ground, right? Mm -hmm. So here comes responsible mitigation companies like yours who are saying, we got to handle our waste. We got to recycle what's not um, going to degrade. We got to, um, we got to dispose properly of the toxic ooze that's going to come from these environments. Where, think of everything you put down your sink, everything you put in your garbage can, whether it's chemicals that you used to clean, whether it's paint, whether it's window cleaner, it all goes into the ground, into the groundwater and back to the cycle. I won't go on and on. I'm an environmental scientist, so now I'm starting to get excited here. But anyway, in a bad way. So, so you take, but but I may ask you this. So, when you take that job with the company, mm -hmm. do they? Uh, because you don't. I have to delicately ask you this. It's not like you have a deep background in the science of waste. So, how do you become a spokesperson for that? <clears throat> um, well. <laughs> I will tell you that when I started with waste, I had a great team of um, individuals that really took me under their wing and trained me. Keep in mind, I was freshly out of college. Yeah, yeah. And, um, but I, I had a really great mentor um, who sadly passed away a few years ago. Um, and then another gentleman that taught me everything about waste. Um, he, his family actually used to own one of the landfills that I uh, I'm in charge of for public relations. And so he grew up as a kid teaching, you know, learning it as, as he grew up. So he taught me. And um, again, I'm not a specialist on, on all the landfill stuff, but he really gave me a good broad understanding. And from there, uh, I started doing tours um, of the landfill, which yes, most people are like, what you do landfill tours. 
And yes, we do. I've been been to many. I've been to many as an environmental science major. Yeah, that's one thing you do. It's it's more exciting than he thinks, you know, for most people. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, it's terribly exciting. Yeah. So um, and then ultimately, I just I'm I'm as you noticed, I'm kind of a go getter and uh, I wanted to jump in and, and learn as much as I can. So I started learning a little bit about everything in our company. And, and here I am, you know, I ended up becoming as, as we joke, the habitat girl, um, because <laughs> we are committed to preserving land and conservation as a company. And in our, what we call our GMA or greater mid Atlantic, <coughs> we've been, um, uh, preserving a lot of properties, particularly the one in Taylor, PA, our landfill up there. Uh, we were just certified by the Wildlife Habitat Council. And then um, here where I, my home site is, which is Grand Central Landfill in Penargel, um, we've been certified for, I don't know, 15 years now. So um, so I ended up taking over that project, which allowed me to start connecting with a lot of the scouting groups and community organizations and promoting conservation and environmental um, topics that, you know, really need attention. And also at the same time, providing, helping provide open space to our communities that maybe don't have that space. Um, These smaller communities that these kids are, you know, driving their bikes through town, they've never gotten to see butterfly gardens. And and so we, we do programs like that. And that's what I get to do. And it's the fun part of my job. Yeah. And Um, you seem like you truly enjoy it. Uh, And you're good at it. I know you are. With, with the here's what I don't get. Um, educate me. The two landfills that are a big news um, topic in our area. Uh-huh. I'm in Lackawanna County. Mm-hmm. All you hear about is Empire Landfill and Keystone Landfill. It's not Empire I, Landfill anymore. Not Empire. Now it's called. It's called Alliance Landfill. Yes, and that is yours. That's mine. So that's mm-hmm. what I'm asking. So how did it go to that Empire to Alliance? Did you guys buy that? specific landfill recently that's actually in the last 10 years isn't it or more so that facility was privately owned um and then usa waste bought it i think in the early 80s and then usa waste merged with waste management and it became alliance landfill in 1987 that long ago Mm -hmm. whoa hard for me to believe yeah. So, and then it's been there ever since, um, operating under its permit. And, um, it is, um, probably one of our larger sites that we have in our market area. Um, but, uh, and, and actually one of those sites that has the most longevity. <laughs> so but you know this, let's say today, right now, I decide <laughs> I'm going to start, um, a garbage removal company, meaning I'm going to, I'm going to be a guy who goes to your house. I just got a pickup truck and I'm going to take all of your trash. I'm going to clean your basement. People want to get rid of stuff. They're moving. Someone died, whatever the case may be. So I come to your house, my new business is, and I take all your junk. So I'm filling up my, my truck with uh, old cans of paint. Uh, who, oh, she's shaking her head already. I'm filling my, wait, no, I, I got a story to tell you. I'm filling my, I, I don't know. I ripped something off of the pipes. I'm putting, I'm playing dumb here. I'm putting everything in my truck. Uh, Oh, look at there's, there's this whole shelf of what looks like cleansers that this person has left here from the 1980s. Oh, and look at there's, there's some old rotten wood and I just throw it in a big pickup truck and I drive to your landfill and I go, all right, how much for me to get rid of this? What would happen? Um, well, first of all, every vehicle that comes into a landfill has to be tarped. That is a PADEP requirement. <laughs> so if already I'm turned away. You also have to be licensed with the state. So you need an Act 90 sticker. Um, and if it was a pickup truck, they'd probably send you to what we call a customer cam, um, which you, you are going to be monitored. Um, and the, <laughs> every truck that comes through a scale, through our scales, uh, is monitored. So yeah, so this ain't happening. Know. I'm turned away. Yeah. Yeah. You'd be, we'd be checking that, but. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what someone like that does, because sadly you see this all over Northeastern central Southern PA people, a lot of times when they have to get rid of stuff around their house, whether it be a television, a washing machine, old mattresses, old cans of paint, where do they end up on Along rural side, side roads. roads? It's sad. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. What do those people have as a choice? If you have a big mattress, if you have, uh, I don't know, shelves of shelves of paint that you haven't used in 25 years, 
And, you know, you can't take it. You can't leave it out for the trash guy on Tuesday. So what, what what's your first step with that? So paint, paint's an easy one. In my opinion, you can um, put kitty litter in it um, or cardboard to get it more solid. As long as it passes the paint filter test for our municipal solid waste landfills. Um, and this is all permit requirements. You know, that's what I'm saying. No, no, no. So back but, um Please back yeah, up. so if you got to get it more solid. And then if it has, um, if it hardens, and then we can take it at that point. Um, but if it's, if, if you don't have that opportunity, you would have to work with, usually the counties have a household hazardous waste program that you, you call can your county. That way. Yeah. Well, so that, I mean, that's mattresses, mattresses are everywhere. Don't you, aren't you sick of seeing mattresses on the side of the road? Yeah, the mattresses are another problem, but why? Um, what do you mean? Why? Well, I mean, you do. You see them alongside the road. People don't know how to get rid of them. But most contracts, most um, you know, with whole municipalities, you can put out a bulk item usually, and they count as a bulk item. Although they should usually be wrapped in plastics in case there's bed bugs, you know, to protect the workers. Um, but our landfills can take those. Um, and then even our, at our, some of our transfer stations, they'll use the mattresses to help like clean up the floors and cause they almost act like a mop. <laughs> like, I never thought about that. Yeah. You slid around a big mattress. Yeah. It's like a yeah. big, it's like a Swiffer. Yeah. But I did. Um, and I don't know the specifics, but I know that there are companies out there trying to find ways to re- recycle mattresses, um, the parts of the mattress anyway. So I think that's going to be coming along, uh, very soon because we do it seems like mattresses are everywhere so when you drive by the alliance landfill or any landfill um Mm -hmm. i drive back and forth uh every day to and from work uh and if the wind is in that right direction you you get that smell you know and it's funny when i take my dog for a drive in my car whether the sunroof's open or windows down he'll be sleeping and then all of a sudden you start approaching the landfill and he does one of these (laughs) he's like oh lunch I mean, you guys do your best try. I mean, garbage is garbage. There's decomposition. There's, there's chemicals produced by decomposition. You can't can't do much with that. What do you do for smells? So with the, with the landfill, I mean, those days that you might smell it occasionally, it's usually an intermittent odor. Um, You know, if a truck comes in and the load is particularly smelly, you know, you might smell it until it gets buried. Um, But it's, it's usually pretty quick to dissipate. Um, but the facility uses a couple of measures to keep the, the odors uh, at bay. And one of those is our mister system, um, which is similar to like a Febreze. Oh, oh, what system? It's our odor mister system. Mister. Oh, mist. Oh, so you like mist. mist. Yeah. 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 Like a mist. Yeah. So we spray that. We usually, we have these portable ones that go near the working face and depending on the wind direction, we will put them in the, the placement so that, um, you know, should the wind be blowing towards the highway, you know, the mister will be in the place so that you would smell more of a plain smell. Not, you wouldn't smell it. It just yeah. deodorizes everything. And then, um, you know, we also are using capping, landfill capping um, on our working face areas that maybe we're coming back to. Um, so landfill is not one gigantic hole. It's more, as I like to explain it to the students that come through our facilities, it's more like a honeycomb. And so we're not working on this huge working face and trash is everywhere. Um, we work in a very small area. The rest of it's covered with dirt or our temporary capping to help minimize any water getting into the facility. The more water that enters um, the, the open areas, the more leachate we have to treat um, or process. And, uh, you know, that gets costly. So we want to we want to keep that to a minimum. Um, and then as far as the gas uh, that's generated from the trash that would be landfill gas. And although there's this myth that you can smell methane, you cannot smell methane as you probably know, Joe, but odorless. Um, <laughs> it's odorless. But um, what, what you do typically smell as part of the compounds of the landfill gas would be the hydrogen um, sulfide. sulfide and so yep. We use, we use a collection. That's the rotten um, egg smell. That's the rotten egg smell. Yep. And so we use a collection of wells. I think at lines we have, almost 300 wells there um, that are on negative vacuum pressure. And so they essentially, they, they draw all that landfill gas to our energy center where we um, send it out uh, to another company that helps generate electricity. See, you're so smart and knowledgeable. You're getting ahead of my question. So let's, <laughs> let's back up. Let's just pretend I'm Joe Smith and someone just took my garbage. In that garbage was 
chicken carcass was, uh, oh, I threw away an old mop. Uh, it had some solvents on it. But, but you know, you, uh, uh, the phone book came in the mail. I just threw that right in the garbage. I'm an irresponsible uh, waste producer. I just throw everything in the garbage. Here's the bag. Garbage truck came, took it away. When the garbage truck leaves after it's full and it arrives at your place, mm-hmm. like what is the very first thing that happens to a full, you know, gone through the municipality garbage truck? It's got everything from from organic wastes in there to construction, to, to construction. yeah, sheetrocks mm-hmm. in there. What is the yep. very p- first place that garbage truck goes to? And how, so like, does it sit out in the sun for a while? What happened? No. So it, it's, we have a very quick turnaround. Um, every truck that comes in, as I mentioned, goes through scales and then they will go up to our working phase. This happens at all landfills and um, they will dump their load. And we have compactors, those big vehicles that have the big uh, spiky wheels. I'm sure most of the kids. Well, wait, uh, so you're saying the very first thing, that garbage truck is just going to, after it gets scaled and registered, it's just going to empty it into a designated field area. It just, everything just comes right out. Boom. So every day we have what's called a grid system. And so we map out where we're going to dispose of the trash that comes in each day. Right. So we, we have, an, we have a, I'll say, an idea where we're going with it. And so we direct the trucks to that area. They dispose of everything in that, that area. And then we have compactors that drive over it all day long to compact it. What landfills are, are essentially... What if there was a, I hate to say this. What, let's, let's get weird here. What if there was a Jeffrey Dahmer out there and he put an arm in the garbage. Let's be serious. So he, he okay. he's a mass murderer. He put an arm in the garbage. It was covered up. He has, he has chicken carcasses in there. He has dish towels. He has uh, soda cans. And that garbage truck then takes the arm mm-hmm. to the way, to the landfill. And the garbage truck then empties it out into this designated area, you said. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, technically, and I'm not poking fun at your company or any company, but yeah. that roller, that spiked roller may just go over that recent dump and never see it. It's over, right? It's possible. Absolutely. It's very possible. But our you're not going are, through every bag. No, I mean, our, our trucks are, they, uh, compactors are running over the trash. And our, our team is always looking all the time. We're always paying attention because safety is like the number one thing at our company right, right. above all. So we are watching for things. But um, usually those stories uh, happen very rarely. I'll say that. But... <laughs> Um, if, if there's a arm somewhere, yeah. <laughs> please contact us and say, we suspect it might be there. So, and then that, again, that's, that's the great thing about the grid system. If that truck had come in earlier that day, or even a day or two earlier, they kind of know where the trash was disposed of from the, the say the street that Jeffrey lived on. Oh, and, I see. And, see, I didn't and, know this. So the grid system, let's say they find out a month later that Jeffrey Dahmer was a mass murderer. And on garbage on that day, garbage truck number 738C dumped mm-hmm. it on grid space 72A15. And then here comes the authorities and they would know where to go. Essentially. Now, that's not a guarantee you'll find it because you've now compacted trash for a month on top of that area. But you would be able to excavate that area. And I mean, they with any kind of investigation like that, you have a very thorough investigation. But, <laughs> has um, that happened? Not, not necessarily an arm, but has... Has that happened in your stay there where the authorities have to come in and dig, dig up garbage? That has not, not happened. Not at my site, um, but I can say it's happened in other areas. Is uh, that right? Yeah, sure. Um, and, you know, <laughs> it, it does become like organic waste, right? So it's going to generate, it's going to start decomposing. And um, yeah, that's interesting. So yeah. what, what about like how many in, with this grid in the in the municipal, municipality's garbage that's coming in every day, like you said? <laughs> Johnny Smith throws his garbage away. Is it a constant line of trucks all day long? Is that what I'm picturing or no? Or like one and No, hour, not necessarily. We have, we have busier hours and we have, um, you know, our slower points. But I mean, again, it just depends on each landfill site. You know, Keystone might be busier than, than Alliance some days and vice versa. But it's just um, trucks all day, a sea of trucks, right? Yeah. I mean, they come in, they trickle in throughout the day. Yeah. I would, I would say, um, I know at Grand Central, we have maybe 150 trucks throughout the whole day. Um, so I'm wow. probably about the same at Alliance Landfill. So, 
Yeah. So yeah, that's just truck, 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 and some guy's job. All right, let me see your registration. Let me see your yeah, yeah. And then here comes the guy with the big spiked roller. He's like, okay, uh, I was over it. Run yeah. over it day after day. Yeah. So when that garbage goes down, um, I kind of know the answer to this, but I'm playing dumb to everyone. Could you explain to everyone what's underneath, semi layer by layer, all the way down um, from these layers of garbage? The you know. Yeah, before you put the trash in the, the hole. Is that yeah. <laughs> so um, before we can ever put any trash in the landfill cell, as we call them, uh, we have to use a liner system and it has to be approved by PADEP. Um, it gets it gets tested uh, several times <laughs> before it's allowed to, to take any trash. But it's a series of uh, different liners, the first one being of bentonite clay that goes down across the bedrock. Um, you probably know this, but for the general public, if bentonite clay gets wet, it will swell up 10 times the size of itself. So that's why we put that down first uh, as the, you know, kind of like that last barrier before the groundwater. And that's way um, at the bottom. That's at the bottom of on the bedrock. That, yep, that would be the, you know, your hole is dug and then that's the first, that's the first layer that goes down. But essentially, How thick is that? Do you know? I'm not... I don't know how sick it is. Inches, feet. That. Yeah, I know. I, well, okay. See, that's, this is just me thinking speak. nerdy. <laughs> I'm going to speak on that one. But, yeah, all right. So then that's um, down. Then what? And then we have another liner uh, liner piece, uh, as I say piece, but I'm, I'm used to use, showing a sample of it. Um, and that is of HDPE or high density polyethylene uh, plastic liner. Um, I think that one's usually 60 mil. I could be wrong on that. <laughs> it's, it's a very thick uh, plastic. Yeah, I was going to say, forget about the mills. When you held this in your hand, you showed it to tours. You can bend sure. it a little bit. Yeah. It's almost it's, like probably, uh, I don't know, is it like the thickness of a typical garbage can, like a plastic garbage can? It's a little bit thicker than that. Little it's, thicker it, than that. Yeah, it's a little it's a little thicker than that. But um, so it has a little flexible um, nature to it. But so yeah, that'll right. go over the bentonite clay. And then we yeah. have another liner uh system that is made of geotextile. So it's got like a plastic, I, I call it a plastic grid and it has these woven pieces. It's kind of like a fabric piece that are together with it. Um, that, that goes next. Um, and then we have what we call And isn't that the one that allows the leachate to flow through it or no? Yeah. Yep. So we would have at, at base of all the, the cells, we're going to have a, essentially, I call it a sub pump that would collect all the leachate water. And that goes to the flows to the um, the low point in between the primary and secondary liner. So above the geotextile one, we have another liner that's made of the HDPE. And between these layers, we do have a monitoring um, system in place for the for the leachate to make sure nothing is penetrating the liner system. Um, so, yeah, we we're, and we monitor that quarterly. I mean, that's pretty elaborate. So all of these layers of protection, so leachate or the juices from your garbage will not get into the groundwater. Nope. And in many cases, even if it did worst case scenario, the placement of landfills is such that I think there's a lot of people who do not rely on that groundwater. It's in an area usually not uh, that, that, you know, no one uses that groundwater, even if the worst case scenario were to happen, correct? Well, so yeah, and landfills are placed in... in geographical areas that can withstand a lot of weight. So Alliance is at a great place. Our site here in Penargel is at a great place. Um, but even, even if it, any water were to penetrate through that, that liner, it's going to go to that bentonite clay liner and that's going to stop any water from going anywhere. And we, that's why we have the monitoring um, system in place so that we could be alerted that there's, there's water getting through. Um, and then this leachate piping or, 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 is there a better word for that that you guys use? But the the leachate gathering um, system within the garbage layers, right? Mm -hmm. Have you seen well, that? So, okay. so think about it this way: the you you have a monitoring system in, in between these liners to make sure that the leachate doesn't get through. Like there isn't leachate or any other water going through there. The leachate is going to be collected on top of these liners, um, the yes. entire liner system, because you've, you're you're going to put a gravel stone over uh, the final liner layer, and then you will put your sump pump in, and you will put the piping for the, the leachate yeah. collection. System. Okay, so I'm sorry. So when you were explaining the layers, you didn't even get to that yet, then, right? I didn't so, get to that part. Really, I'm sorry, yet, continue so. on. All right, so then that's you have, okay. Yeah, you so have like you three protective layers already, right? And yeah. So the. But that layer that's in there that has the geotextiles, as mentioned, yes, the, that's there. So the water will flow more easily. It should it get through the other gotcha, liner system. Right. But 
but really you're putting you're putting your waste on top of the liner system as a whole and so the juices would <laughs> be on top um, and then it gets collected through the pipe system and then it's processed at either some of our landfills have their own wastewater treatment plant alliance well, wait, stop i'm excited about these juices so have you seen the juices come out like is it you have uh well i've seen I have like a constant flow is what I'm wondering is just like this pipe that's a series of pipes and they're just flowing all day long. So it's usually gravity fed and and the yeah, if there's if there's landfill juice, there's always going to be I take my garbage out all the time. And at the bottom of the bag, there's juice and the juice is always gross. Yeah, it's never yes. not gross. It's never yeah. like iced tea oh that looks great it's always disgusting gross yeah. juice yeah and so it's here not. comes the but but what does it look look what is that I, it looks I, like I, dirty iced tea water like yeah. somebody like one of your kids backwashed in their in your iced tea and is that what it looks like, like? their hoagie all <laughs> and even that's got to be filtered because you don't want sediment yes. in the juice you don't want particulate matter in the juice right yep yep so and that's why we we process it um and then at alliance we actually send it to another wastewater treatment plant where they they process it further so but eventually it goes i think into the waste water that that dirty water comes from people's homes it goes to the same place i think it's treated right it gets treated yep and then the, then all that water you know gets processed and then whatever is left that they discharge i don't know what that pteow what they what they actually discharge to the stream but it's all clean at that point. Yeah, I, um, with my environmental science major, I had to know the beginning of, of, of toilet water waste from municipalities, mm -hmm. uh, the entire process from your toilet to a faucet at the end. And my professor would go to the end of this series of treatments and he would get his cup out and he would turn it and he would drink the water. So in comes toilet waste out and he's having a drink of water. And that's yeah. what goes back to the streams yeah. and a drainage system so folks you have to realize um when you flush your toilet all that's got to be treated everyone knows it's treated but it's a series of chemical and physical reactions that treat that water and the leachate goes through similar processes so now you just have garbage and the juices are removed and the garbage sits there mm -hmm. is there a way that it's aerated so that it decomposes or no we don't want decomposition i don't know so um, it's a great question. So the the active working face areas will have the greater, I would say, the greater amount of decomposition because you have air and water getting to it. But once we put final cap down on portions of our landfill as areas close, as we call it, um, you're, you're not getting water in those areas of the landfill anymore, and you're obviously not getting air. And so as all of that kind of slows down, the whole process of decomposition slows down. So even when the landfills close, they have to be monitored for 30 years after they close for the gas and the leachate collection. But if there's no air and water getting in, your, your decomposition slowing down, your uh, landfill gas is gonna, generation is gonna drop off. Um, and uh, ultimately it just kind of hangs out. There's there's not much going on. And, and that's why you see some sediment on landfills that you know the, they're not, always the perfect three to one slope anymore um, after they've been closed, but they don't really shift, you know. You know what do you mean three to one slope? What is that? So our, our, our landfill is built in what they call a three to one <coughs> slope. And so it looks like a pyramid and that's for stability purposes. So but what does that mean? As they work their way up on a landfill, if you know what a pyramid looks like, you want yeah. it to build out, you have these. Um, oh, so the actual slope rise over run is a three to one. Oh, and then when you yes, get to the top, yes. it's over. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. That's, that's how cool. that's how you judge, you know, your base, your your whole basis for your air permit is and, and your entire permit, how long your life is, is by how how far out you go. So you start really wide and then the landfill is getting smaller and smaller and smaller through time. Yes. Oh, and as it gets smaller, it's getting closer to closure, which means, mm -hmm. you know, that airspace is is precious, which means your cost is going to go up. Yes. Whoa. And what's the lifespan of a typical or you can't say that? It just it depends on every landfill um, how much space they have acquired for the properties, but I can tell you, Alliance has about forty years of life left. Wow! And then when that's done, and the three to uh, the three to two to three ratio is that what you said? Three, three to one. Three to one ratio is fulfilled. That's <laughs> done, monitored for thirty years. And what about after thirty years? What if some big 
Rich guy says, I want to build a mansion 35 years later. He can't do that. Typically not. No, once they go into, <laughs> into closure, we have um, what we call our WM legacy team. And they they do all the monitoring of the facility. Most of our landfills become wildlife habitat and, and you know, are there for the bugs and the bunnies. Um, some will become golf courses. Some will become. Oh, so they, they do have that type of use. Yeah. You know, maybe a highway runs over it too. You never know. Right. Well, yeah, you're not going to, you're not going to drill a well, uh, on a landfill because you now have capping. So <laughs> yeah. when a landfill closes, think of a pot pie, essentially you've got a liner at the bottom and then you got a liner on the top. And so they, they do this special welding that cinches it all together and it's like a big pot pie. Wow. And so you don't want to. You can't drill into that liner no. system, so you're not going to put you're not going to put a house on it or you know anything like that. So, um, so you'd have to go really deep to find a find a uh, you know water source. <laughs> so. so I'm probably asking you something that I'm sure you don't just have knowledge of this, but do you know how many of those there there are in the nation or even locally? That that Perfect. by that I mean life landfills that have um, been sealed off and are no longer in use. Are there? Thousands I don't, I don't know the, I don't know the total of landfills that have been closed. All I can tell you is there used to be 3000 roughly landfills in the eighties and now waste management owned is around 250, 300. Um, but there's other big companies like Republic and, and, and then smaller privately owned landfills too. So, um, but I don't know the specifics on how many. Well, that's cool. But there's a, so, um, there's these sealed off tombs and then wildlife and deciduous trees grow. And then that's it. End of the story. Move on to a new, new place. Yeah. And they really are. They, they be just become open space areas and there's not much else you can do with the, the landfill space. Um, you know, you're not going to put a big warehouse on it. So. Yeah. Right. Just the wildlife, which is perfect. Right. The wildlife. Yeah. So when, when organic material or a lot of material breaks down, it's, it's either aerobic or anaerobic bacteria that's everywhere that's eating at this stuff. And one byproduct of organic and inorganic bacteria breaking things down is hydrocarbons, which we, you're saying then what, what you literally send pipes into these layers and this breakdown of organic matter, which releases gases, organic hydrocarbons, methane, et cetera. Mm-hmm. What, what happens to that? You said it's piped and burned. So um, as the landfill takes in waste and we compact it every day, um, every, we call it a lift. So um, we will do well drilling throughout the year. We have usually one or two projects a year and we have vertical drill, uh, drilled wells and then we have horizontal drilled wells. So we Almost have like the huge- fracking ones, right? They'll go mm, and then take a 90 degree turn. No, 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 these just go straight down to the to the header. So around the entire perimeter of the landfill, we have a, a larger pipe system that is the main, I'll say the main collection uh, source. And then these smaller vertical wells will tie into that so that we can vacuum off the, the landfill gas and then send it to the to the energy center. Um, and most of our facilities, Alliance, it's being sent um, and it's delivered to PEI. So, and then they send it and, and do. So, there's, uh, so this, this gas mm-hmm. is very similar to the hydrocarbons that from, you know, Marcella shale or whatever. You're saying it's literally piped to the generator plant where it's, it's turned into electricity. Yep. Yep. So from your trash can turn into electricity. Yeah. I wonder, and again, you can't have all this knowledge. I So I don't expect that, but I wonder how much that is per year, like per landfill. Is it enough to well, heat a hundred homes? Is it enough to heat 10,000? So I can tell you Alliance generates, and I have my little fact sheet here. So I, <laughs> I, didn't, even, I didn't even see you. You don't even look down at the sheet. You just know this. I know a lot, but there's uh, some things. Um, Alliance she's looking does down generate, now. She's looking down now. She's looking down yeah, now. Yeah. They generate about 81,000 megawatts. So, uh, 81, you know, that's, that, that could be pretty significant households. Yeah, because I remember hearing 50... 500 mega. All right. I'm going to have to look into that later. But so, so, yeah, that's a lot of breakdown of people's trash turned into gas that we burn. And that's, of course, going to be a fossil fuel. But, you know, at least we're doing some good with that. Making electricity. It's a complete it closes the loop and, and yeah. becomes a renewable uh, project. Um, some of our landfills, not not the ones that I manage uh, for public relations, but some of our landfills actually take that landfill gas and they um 
they kind of do the same process, but they're using it to run the our trucks. So our fleet of trucks oh. run, and we call those our renewable natural gas free projects. Yes, free so gas. You see that more, I guess, in the south. But mm-hmm. is this just in my memory, or is this real? I see some landfills. I don't know where I saw this either online, movies, pictures. It's just burned. You see a pipe with flames shooting out all day long. Why aren't they utilizing that? Why are they just burning it? Why isn't so, that going to the uh, to the generating plant? That's a really good question. So um, landfills still will have uh, what we call flares on their on their properties. They're kind of primarily used as backup these days. Um, should the electricity go out and our energy plants, you know, are offline, and so they have to burn. Every landfill has to have a way of of taking care of that landfill gas that we're collecting. So the old way was always just to burn it. And it was just oh. hot air coming out the stack of the, of the flare. Um, particularly, uh, I can say the site that I sit at almost every day, um, you know, if, if the amount of landfill gas isn't quite enough to run all the turbine engines at the, um, at the plant, they might have a little bit extra that they have to do something with. So then they'll flare that. And so that's- Oh, so it's kind of extra. Now, what do you mean by the turbine engines? What are they doing with these? They're creating their own electricity with these engines, with these turbines? Yeah, not at Alliance Landfill, but at Grand Central Landfill in Penargel, we actually partner with a nonprofit called Green Night Economic Development Corporation. And they they actually um, have a three turbine plant um, that we feed the landfill gas to. It gets cleaned up and then it, you know, through scrubber systems. And then, and I say it's cleaned up, it's just the moisture gets, you know, knocked out of it. Right. Okay. And it, it, that landfill gas then spins the turbines and the turbines are what create the electricity. So, um, yeah, that's yeah. excellent. I love it. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And, and I never knew going into the waste business, the, any of this stuff. I mean, growing up, my dad was huge into recycling and, and so I was always the big recycler, you know, at home and, and, uh, and now I get to work with Monroe County Solid Waste Authority quite often, and we do recycling workshops together. And and well, that's well, that's what I, the, one of the last things I wanted to get into because now that we took apart the landfill and we know how this all operates, and the gases um, burned and hopefully turned into productive uh, energy, we, we we can stop the use of landfills by recycling. However, I hear that recycling was kind of peaking, I don't know, five, 10, 15 years ago. And now it's not even profitable for anyone to recycle, which is sad, but I mean, let's face it. It's all based on economics and that's out of everyone's hands. So is this true? There's a trend now towards uh, recycling. Uh, No one wants it, right? Used to be turned into something usable. Now it's like, okay, we have too much recycling items and nothing to do with it. No one will use it. Industry won't take it, correct? Well, I think I think a few years ago that might have been more of the story, but in the recent year and a half, that story has kind of reverted. Um, I'll tell you, waste management has worked with a lot um, of domestic uh, companies and and uh, plants to keep the recycling here in the states. Uh, you know, there was a big recycling crisis where China was not taking any. That's more it. Yeah, that's waste. reason, right? Yeah, 2017, 18. Yeah. And um, so the market value for recyclables definitely went down. Um, but, you know, with the pandemic, the cardboard has gone up because everybody started ordering online. Oh, how so about a lot of the, you never think of? Yeah. So a lot of the recycling plants, not not just ours, but um, across the country are they've had to change out their 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 plants a little bit because the cardboard they were used to collecting didn't really accommodate all the different sizes of boxes and the cardboard. So yeah. now they're, we're processing a lot more cardboard these days. Um, and plastics one through seven are still being collected. Glass is still being collected. Um, metal, I say metal, but you know, your aluminum cans, right. um, please don't put a bumper in your, your, your curbside recycling bin. People a bumper. Do that. Don't put a don't put a uh, a baby car seat just because it's plastic. Just because it's plastic does not mean it goes in your curbside or recycling. Because what it has uh, it has the buckles and has the cloth attached to it. I mean, is that why or just not the good plastic? No, it's just it's not a plastic one through seven. It has to identify. It has to have a one, two, three, four, five, six, or seven on it. I mean, it see, have- you here. You and I are educated people, and that's confusing. Like the people yeah. don't know how do you how do you you're going to look for a little tiny number. Sometimes you can't even see this thing. It's complex. And that's that's really where the whole recycling process has gotten to the point where 
a lot of the recycling has become trash because people are yeah, just like, well, much plastic. Water. yeah, yeah. Well, or, or they're like, they, we call it wish cycling. So they're like, it's plastic, it's metal. We, it, it, we want to see it recycled. So it should be recycled because it's plastic, right? Well, no, no, but not at the curbside recycling bin, your curbside recycling bin has to stay plastics one through seven and your, uh, you know, your traditional, I, I say kitchen items, metal bumpers can be recycled at a scrapyard. <laughs> you know, like there's places and outlets to recycle items, but you know, the simplicity of single stream recycling, I think is also complicated um, the system itself because people, I don't want to say we've well kind of gotten lazy, but we've, we're like, oh, well, we could just put it there. And, and that's why it's really important to pay attention to what you're putting in your curbside recycling bin. So, um, so, at your facility, as an example, is it like a whole wing of stuff that's going in the ground and a whole wing of recycling? And no, it's not. You have recycling. No, trucks. no. So we have we have collection trucks that are collecting just for trash, and we have collection trucks that are collecting your recycling. The recycling is two totally to different facilities. Two different, yeah, two different facilities. Our landfills are separate from the recycling facility. So you don't try to recycle it what i guess what i'm saying is if people don't recycle and you get all this weight what if you get a whole truckload of someone who's just dumping plastic they didn't want to take the time to recycle it and here it comes in the garbage truck are you are you going to tr- go out of your way to do what they should have done or no you just throw it in the ground typically at that point it's contaminated um if oh. it's in the if it's in the truck with other mixed items oh so you um, don't try to pick it out or no, and if 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 you put your plastics, uh, your, or your, or I should say your recyclables in a plastic bag in the curbside bin, you know, um, and it get, you don't want to do that either because plastic bags are tying up all of the recycling uh, plants because they have these star wheels that kick all the recyclables to the correct bin, and when a plastic bag goes through there, it ties up the star wheel just like if you were vacuuming and you caught a string. It stops it. Listen, <laughs> so, you're, you're talking above us now. I don't know what a star wheel is. What it, 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 it just spins. It's like the, think of it as a vacuum. And you know, when you think about your vacuum and you're vacuuming and your cat toy gets in the way and you yeah. vacuum it, it stops your vacuum completely from the little thing from spinning. Yeah. So our star wheel is similar to that. And it, it moves the uh, recyclables along the line and it kicks oh, the, the different uh, bins. And so don't put the plastic bags in there because that's where... So you don't want to put recyclables and then put it in a plastic bag and take it. You know, yeah, keep them loose. And that that's for any any hauler that you have. They want them loose. You don't want them in plastic bags. So if it comes in a plastic bag, we literally, our crews, I can speak to my crew, but our crews will see a plastic bag full of recycling come out of the recycling truck. They pick it up and throw it in the trash because we don't know what's in it. It's considered contaminated at that point. So Interesting. So then at your recycling plant, um, is there, is there, what, do you know the percentage of stuff that comes in that you say, okay, these idiots didn't properly, uh, uh, you know, arrange it or categorize it. Now this all has to go back to the landfill. Is it like half? Is it a, or no? That I, that I don't know, but I will say we, we do have, uh, a, a, a collection bin set aside to take stuff back to the trap. Yeah. Landfill. Because uh, you, you can't just see people think, oh, plastic throw it here. Like you said, car seats, uh, everything will be recycled. Yeah. Not so. Yeah. And bowling balls. For some reason, people think bowling balls are recyclable. <laughs> I don't know why. That's like a big ball of acrylic. What are you going to do with that? A bowling ball. I don't know. We get so many bowling balls. Oh, you get- don't. Yes, we do. I will. Next bowling time we're at a recycling facility, I'm going to send you a video. I'm going to check out our bin. Who's going to throw away a bowling ball? They, they don't throw away. They're recy- they think it's recyclable. And we literally have a huge bin that is full of recycle or, or full of uh, That's bowling so balls. funny. So I what are you doing with all these bowling balls? Well, they have to go to the landfill. <laughs> so no, you guys don't like take them? Like, oh, this is a nice bowling ball. <laughs> no, we're not allowed to scavenge. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, You say that, but if you found a diamond ring or something, you're going to scavenge that thing. No, 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 no. That's a big no-no in our company. But Oh, uh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And the other thing is your, your hose, your like garden hose. Garden I know, hose. I know it looks like rubber and it should go in there. Not it's recycled. Got metal on it. Don't put it in your cycling bin. That no just tangles up the whole process. So oh, I can imagine. I'm so surprised by the bowling balls. What I'm saying to you is if I found a bowling ball in my house and it was my father's or grandfather's or uncle's, I would never think I'm going to throw this away. It's just something you keep for some reason. You can always use it for Facebook, something. Put it on Facebook Marketplace or yes. something. <laughs> Throwing away. You get a lot of bowling balls. 
I'm sure there's a bowling team that could use a bowling ball. <laughs> Something. Come on. Repurpose, right? Reuse. Yes. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. So then um, the recycling is doing a little better now. Is China back on board or no? No, no. Um, waste management was always uh, doing good by recycling. We never had, I'll say, all our eggs in one basket. So um, we've shifted to primarily using domestic uh, facilities. And we just uh, did a huge, huge project in Chicago for, um, the, as I say, the material re- recycling facility of the future, or MRF is our, our, uh, oh, our, acronym. our, our, our term. Um, and so... Yeah. So, but all our plants are getting updates and um, yeah, it's, it's an exciting time in recycling. And then on top of that, we're actually working with um, cities. We have four facilities that are called core. And if you are really interested in recycling your organics, I recommend moving to a city, a large city, because you're going to see more of those organic recycling facilities, I think, start coming. So what are you putting in there? Like uh, carrots and and turkey carcasses and everything? Yeah, pretty much your your organic waste, like in New York City, they're you know primarily Coffee ground. Commercial. Yeah, commercial businesses, um, and they're taking the organics and they're grinding it into the slurry, and they feed that into the uh, wastewater treatment plant, and then that creates elect- uh, gas, which then they use that to power and make electricity. So I wonder those bugs, man, they're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I know they are. I know they are. This makes, I feel like I'm, I was brought up uh, a Catholic and I confession and all that stuff. I feel like I'm a horrible person. You know what I still do? No, I live in the country. Uh, I try to manage my ways, do the right thing. But when it comes to boxes, uh, I have three acres in the country. I burn them. I, you know, my, my wife is buying Amazon stuff. It's just like a sea of boxes at my house. And then I, there used to be, bur- used, do people still do that? There used to be municipalities that would be. say it's okay. burn day. It's yeah. burn day. So I burn a lot of this stuff and I hate myself for doing it, but it's so easy. So bad. It's so I, bad. Uh, I'll take your boxes, put them at the curb on recycling day. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So all the Amazon, keep them dry. <laughs> all the stuff, all the Amazon that, that people are getting now, they're all good boxes. You guys want them. Right? Absolutely. Just keep them dry and, and free of food, which brings me to pizza boxes. Everybody thinks pizza boxes are recyclable. Only the lid, if it doesn't have cheese or grease on it. If the bottom <laughs> of that pizza box has any grease or cheese, we don't want it. That's you guys are too picky. That's your problem. No, it's the that's how we're going to get rid of it because the market. <laughs> oh, so then you'll let me because that's in my burn uh, stash. Pizza you can box. burn that piece. I was going to say every Friday, every Friday we get pizza at the Snedeker household. So I burn those boxes. I can keep burning those. I'm going to turn a blind eye. <laughs> all right. All right. That's funny. Well, th- you know what? I-, I think we've been talking trash for like an hour here. This is amazing. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm glad I could, I could educate you. <laughs> you are now you are so exciting and vibrant. This was great. I hope folks learned a lot. Uh, what is your future uh, there? You don't want to talk about that. Is that too personal a question? Are you going to move up through the company and are you going to be the big wig someday? I don't know. Or, you, you, I don't know. Really right good now, place I'm, to work. You love it. I do love it. I mean, I've been here since uh, 2006, so it, wow. I've been working for waste a long time and um, now my dad works for waste and, and it's a family affair as I always joke. And we've like got, you got him a job there. Yeah. That's yeah. funny. I love it. Yeah. We all work together and it's, it's a great, a great place to work. And they are really, uh, you know, focused on protecting the environment, just like every other landfill, um, you know, there's strict regulations. So, um, I just say we do it the best. <laughs> well, do, do you, do you, because in this time, all you hear about is people who can't find employees and everyone's offering jobs and no one wants to work. You know, the, is, are you guys, uh, is that something we should tell our listeners and viewers oh, that yeah. you guys are hiring? We're always hiring. Um, yeah. I mean, just like any other industry, um, the trucking industry is is suffering across the country, not just in the waste industry per se, but the trucking industry. And so we need drivers um, you know, and, and we always are looking to, to hire professionals, folks with environmental backgrounds are always, um, particularly, uh, of interest. Yeah. yeah hey, I'm 55. I'm going to be retiring soon. Maybe I'll get a part-time job at the, I, I want to be that guy who drives the spike roller over the guard, <laughs> the compact driver. <laughs> I can do that. I can do yeah. that. 
Yeah, you could. You totally could. Um, they won't let me because I'm only five foot and I can't see. Yeah. I remember <laughs> you at the concert. You were pretty short. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, we're always hiring. So we have a, a website that um, everybody could go check it out and, and maybe find a career with me. At least what it, excellent. So go to wastemanagement, uh, I guess, dot com, do a search. Career, yeah, careers.wm.com and you can find a job there. Mm-hmm. Adrian Fors, Senior Community Relations Specialist for Waste Management. This has been a great hour. I love talking to you. You are everything I thought you would be. Ah, well, thanks for having me. And I'm, I'm glad I uh, could chat with you today. Two more things I have to finish with. Uh, what's the origin of the colors of yellow and green? Do you know? Is that like uh, you, the owner back in the 60s had a fixation with Green Bay colors or something? <laughs> um, I don't know where the yellow and green uh, brand marketing came up with, I guess. Oh, yeah. Uh, but it's interesting because the yellow and green, I thought about this the other day when I was a kid, the Packers were my favorite team. And like now I bleed green and you gold. You may have subconsciously been driven to that. I know. I know. <laughs> I'm just meant to be. <laughs> well, I uh, don't take this the wrong way, but I've never talked trash through computer with another woman for an hour my whole life. And I proudly say I just did it. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Peace Bye. out. Nice talking to you. Yes. Take care. Thanks. Thanks, Adrian. Curiosity. What are you so curious about? Everything. Mr. Curiosity.